0: Experience.
1: Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2021 The Masters. DraftKings pick and millionaire preview. We're going to break down each of the ranges, but before we get into all of that, I want to let you know how you can win some money and or swag. I got tons of swag. And on Monday's show with Jeff Feinberg, we break down the entire betting card for the Masters in 2020. I'll reveal all of the items up for grabs, but here's what I got for you so far. As a tease, who wouldn't want an official still in the package master's hat? Now, I also have a whole bunch of giveaways. I'm gonna stake 10 people into the $10 millionaire maker and one lucky person into the $100 millionaire maker. Plus, there are giveaways for some of the swag, and I'll list all of the items with the sizes that go along with them because I already have them. I can't adjust the sizes at this point. I'm not a tailor, people. As you can tell by the way, this green jacket fits me. It could probably fit me a little bit better. But here's what you need to do you need to smash the like button for the episode right away, subscribe to mayo media network and leave me your winner in the comment section that's just step one in the entire process but here are the other ways that you can get in on the draws for either the money giveaways or the swag giveaways And i might have even more giveaways for free millionaire maker tickets coming on wednesday but you have to follow the at the pme account on twitter to get those no guarantee i get them yet i put in a request for like 20 or 50 tickets to give away on twitter but We'll see how DraftKings actually goes along with that. They're the title sponsor of the show. They should be giving me the stuff to give away instead of me paying out of my pocket for it. But here's what we got. The newsletter, the Pat Mayo Experience Mayo Media Network newsletter is up and running. It's got some good tips in there and exclusive info and content about the Masters and every golf tournament, all of the upcoming stuff that we have going on, plus all the giveaways. Subscribe to that newsletter. It takes five seconds. If you have an email address, which I assume you do if you're watching this show or listening to this show right now, hit the description find that link. It's a substack link. You can just click on it. I think it's a link to the Valero one already, and I'll be sending out a brand new Masters one for early next week if you want to go check on that one as well. So, subscribe to the newsletter. That's number one. You do that, you're in the draw instantaneously, because I can just email you and tell you that you've won. That's perfect news. The other ways you can do so, and this is really the big one, and this is where the, the 10 Millionaire Maker tickets are going to be given away. It takes like 30 seconds, so it's a lot of your time, I know. And again, hit the description for this. Apple Podcast. Cast the pat mayo experience even if you've done it before you can get your name back to the top of the list uh, leave your twitter handle or your email address so i can contact you if you're a winner rate it five stars something you like about the pat mayo experience boom You're in the draw to win one of the $100 free ticket giveaways or one of the $10 $10 Millionaire Maker ticket giveaways for the Masters. You're also in the draw for the Masters swag giveaway as well. So this is really super easy stuff to do, and it would really help out the show. Also, spread around the show. Tell your friends. Tell everyone what's going on, because we have the full complement of shows. Uh, As you already may know, Saturday, the course preview video has been released up on the podcast feed and video. You are watching the picks today for the Millionaire Maker obviously Monday bets with Feinberg Tuesday player by player breakdown wick with Rick Gaiman Wednesday live chat noon Eastern time on Mayo media network the only place you can watch it live you'll get it after the fact everywhere else and then Friday cut sweats live with Jeff Feinberg so we have a full complement of master's content for you this week my article will be up on sunday the cheat sheet will be out on tuesday for DraftKings. my pivots will be up on ftndaily.com i'm everywhere this week but the one thing that you need if you want to make your own picks is fantasynational.com that's where we're getting all of our stats it's all the stats all the tools everything you need and if you want 20 percent off because who wouldn't fantasynational.com slash mayo get that in you right now all right never a better time to become a member at fantasynational.com Enough of that. Let's get to the guest. He was on the First Look show. He is from awesomeo.com. He is on all of these DraftKings breakdown shows for the major. It is Ben Enriquez. La- What's up?
2: What's up? Yeah, that's uh that's how I want to be introduced for the Masters. All hands on deck. Been waiting, been excited uh finally here.
1: Now, usually Rick Gaiman fills this slot but he is going to be doing a show one-on-one with me next week so we had to think who is the other person that we always have on the show who could really lend a lot of credence to what's going on at Augusta National maybe it's someone from Augusta, Georgia, who might know this course a little bit. Also, playing the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Listeners League link or late league this week. Rake free, $15 to play, three max entry. Link is in the description of this video and podcast. Only 5,000 spots. I estimate they'll all be gone by Tuesday, so get it in you right now. However, from Augusta, Georgia, from the Tour Junkies podcast, it's David Barnett. What's up?
0: What's up, Pat? Thanks for having me. I'm pumped. I wore my uh, old Augusta National caddy hat. So back in the day when I used to walk the grounds, I'm ready to go, man. I'm pumped. The all right. pollen's gone. We're good.
1: Oh, the pollen's gone, so I wouldn't have, like, massive allergies if I was going yeah. to be there. The pollen does not treat me very well, and that always happens at the beginning of spring, although my sinuses are clear. I'm ready to talk, Masters. I'm ready to kind of hammer down who I want to make these picks, but I think we need to get an update of what's going on at the course. You're local to what's going on. You said you're actually going there tomorrow, so follow at Tor Junkies on Twitter. I'm sure DB will have his insights to what's happening there, but all I'm hearing from the grounds right now, my inside sources telling me very firm, very fast. You had mentioned that there's not going to be any rain until the tournament actually starts on Tuesday, and even then, they can dry it out pretty quickly. But I think the biggest difference is, how is this going to play differently than it did in November?
0: You know, I, I mean, I've been reading the transcripts, right, from these last few tournaments, and, and the, the press is starting to ask these guys that same question every week. You know, how do you think it's going to play different? Do you think it's going to play anything like it did in November? And I think the resounding answer is pretty much no. I don't think it's going to play anything like November. I think you can pretty much throw November out in terms of how it's going to play. Um, Augusta was extremely wet in November. I will say we've had a lot of rain this winter if you just went back and looked at it. Um, But the thing with Augusta National is, and I told you guys this before we came on, they have that sub-air system under not just every green, okay? Because a lot of places have sub-air under greens. But they have subair under every fairway, and there's probably only a handful of courses in the world that have subair under every fairway. And Augusta National is one of them, which means they can suck the moisture out of there to any level they want to. If they want it soft, they can have it soft. If they want it firm and fast, they can have it firm and fast. And so as of right now, when we're recording this up until it looks like the first round, there is zero rain, all sunshine. It looks perfect leading up to the first round. Um, So I, you know, I could see them wanting it to play much firmer and faster than it did in November for sure.
1: I'm looking on windfinder.com right now because that's usually where I get my weather forecast from. I find it to be, you know, accurate is probably a bit of a stretch, but more accurate than most places. So just looking at where the course is located and the stuff around it, it does look like the closest windfinder one is going to be uh, Augusta slash Daniel Field. Do you think that would track out properly?
0: Yes. I mean, that's where all the uh, – so Daniel Field is where all the private jets roll in, baby. They don't fly into Augusta's regional airport at Bushfield uh, because then you'd have like a 20-minute drive to the National. So they all fly into Daniel Field, which is basically inoper- inoperable for the rest of the year. Uh, so that's where they all fly in. It's just a couple of miles, maybe two miles from from Augusta National, three miles maybe. So that's a that's a pretty – pretty accurate spot
1: well i hope that the
0: long-term
1: forecast is ready to go here because we got rain and lots of wind on friday that can always throw everything for a loop (laughs) Ben, when we talk about the course, obviously everyone knows that we watch it all of the time and that there are certain traits among golfers that we do want here, but you always get three or four guys that buck that trend. Like ideally, Dustin Johnson winning makes the most sense in the world because he is perfectly tailored to take advantage of Augusta National. It's a super long course. It's over 7,400 yards. There's a ton of elevation changes that really screw with people. That's where the experience comes in. Super fast greens. It's a par 72. But You know, Patrick Reed is one here. Jordan Spieth is one here. Sergio, I mean, Sergio wins at a point well past when we thought that he was at the peak of his powers to take advantage of this course. So is there any one skill set in particular that you're looking at?
2: I mean, it's difficult because when we're talking about the Masters, all of the guys that you mentioned, they're such world-class players that even if they don't fit a course particularly perfectly, if they bring their A game, they will figure it out. And, And I think there's kind of two schools of thought. You've got... Guys like DJ, what can they do? They can take apart the course, get a lot of wedges, attack the par fives, do what you do. Then you have, you know, Speeth and Reed and those types that, you know, if it is very firm, very fast, they can take advantage around the green, you know, hold it together. They're obviously not going to overpower a course like this, but I think it's just kind of categorizing it into buckets. And then, you know, as, uh, you know, we were just talking about, if it's certain conditions, you kind of plan and maybe bump some of those guys up. But when we're talking about the top of the board, You know, they bring their A game. They're going to be just fine.
1: Well, let's jump to that then. Let's jump to the top of the board. The DraftKings pricing. Dustin Johnson, who got bounced by Kevin Na at the match play, decided to enter Valero and then decided, you know what? I don't want to go to Valero. I'm going to work on my Masters Champions menu and head to Augusta and get some reps in. He's 11-5. Rom, who... Could leave because his wife gives birth, which he said he's going to do if she does give birth, is $11,000, Bryson's 10-8, JT 10-6, Rory ten two, Xander, and even $10,000 DB. I wrote this up in my column, which people can go check out on DraftKings Sportsbook or DraftKingsPlaybook.com. Sorry, you can get all of your odds at DraftKingsSportsbook.com that there's a lot of question marks with a lot of these top players. The only two that don't really seem to have question marks around them, at least in this $10,000 range, are JT and Bryson right now.
0: Completely agree. I thought that's what you're about to say. I I, I think you're right. I mean, even DJ coming in in the last couple of weeks has been a little, he hasn't looked quite the same, which still, I mean, DJ can win with his B-minus game, right? Um, and then the ROM with the baby thing, which is going to be really interesting to see how ownership works with him. I, I could see him being, and I don't know, maybe, you know, you guys are smarter than me on this theory stuff, but I could see him being a little higher owned in the Millie maker with a lot of public, not really being aware of the baby situation, but you get into like these high dollar single entries or something like that, potentially being a little lower owned for the risk. I mean, he basically said, if I'm leading the golf tournament and the baby is coming, I'm out. Like, can you imagine if he's, if he's walking down there leading this tournament and he just dips because baby's coming? And then Rory's been sucking. So what do we do? I don't know. I think Bryson and JT are, are, the, are the ones without answers or without questions, really.
1: Yeah, and I can even throw some cold water onto that, Ben. Like, on paper, Bryson is playing the best. He got bounced at the match play, but whatever, it's match play. Uh, when you look at who finished really well at the match play, you're probably like, those, prob- those guys aren't going to win the Masters, so let's kind of throw that one out. With the two starts before that, he gains in all four strokes gain categories. He wins the API. He comes third at the Players' Championship. He just had a rough go, and he's never finished inside the top 20 in four starts at the Masters. That's sort of the takeaway from Bryson, and we know that his game can be volatile if Everything isn't really working for him, but everything is working for him right now over the past 24 rounds. First tee to green, first ball striking, first off the tee. We know that he's probably the best putter of this bunch uh, on a consistent basis where JT is kind of the opposite of that. He's playing great coming in, but very few players named not Tiger Woods have won the players and masters in the same year. And JT, we know of all of these top guys that if someone's putter is going to be terrible, it's probably going to be Justin Thomas's. In 2019, when Tiger Woods won the Masters, he didn't lead Tita Green. Justin Thomas smoked everyone Tita Green. He was fourth in driving, first in approach, and fourth worst in the field on the greens. He didn't even finish inside of the top 10. That's really the only case I can make against Justin Thomas coming into this. But I think on paper, he is the safest one, which means he'll probably be the most owned one on DraftKings too, right?
2: I would think so. I mean, the price is reasonable when you're looking amongst these guys. What can you say about the game? He's just absolutely unstoppable with wedges. The putter has been weird. I mean, that Masters, that was in a stretch of awful putting for him. And then he kind of rounded into form, but even lately it's been a little hit or miss. It's just it's such a weird situation because Bryson to me is inherently more, you know, risky and dangerous than all these guys on a macro level. Like the way he plays, he can get himself, he's in the fence, and then he's making numbers that you didn't even know existed. But he he has looked, you know, certainly less volatile than Rory who's got issues, and Rom has an issue that we really impossible to quantify but i'm with db i think casuals will probably not even think about it or even know about it but people up top i don't know if you want to put down serious money with a guy that has a non-zero chance to just leave the tournament
1: i was actually thinking swinging it back the other way i think enough will be made of it that will be that will be the only john rom narrative coming into the week so I'm guessing more people will hear about it than not that using Rom might actually be a really good leverage point. And if you look at form coming in this year, I believe he's five of seven and top tens in his starts. He's played really well at Augusta the past two years and Spaniards by and large have done well at the masters over the history of this tournament. Ben, like I think I might just end up going with Rom. He might be the lowest owned of all of these guys.
2: It's gonna be interesting. I mean, yeah. I'm I, listen. I play Louis, so like this stuff doesn't bother me. I'm I'm already used to being man down for no reason. But if you get past that, there's no doubt. I know he hasn't, you know, found the winner's circle, but the form has just been fantastic. He's automatic to gain off the tee, tee to green. He's basically automatic. The putter hasn't been fantastic, but it's probably more stable. Uh, than a guy like JT. So there's nothing to say except this narrative, and maybe that is the lead into it. Uh, That's the only red flag, though, in my mind.
1: Yeah, what you'll want to do if you want to generate some leverage is go to FantasyNational.com slash Mayo. Get that 20% off, because who wouldn't want that? Check out the ownership projections as the week goes along, and then you can really get a sense of how people are feeling on Ron. If he's the highest owned guy, you probably don't want to inherit that risk. But if he's the lowest owned of all of these six guys, I believe that his upside is definitely great enough to win this tournament and you can't win money on DraftKings or in the betting market if you don't have the guy that's going to win on your team DB but you mentioned just or Dustin Johnson and then like it's funny because he's not getting talked about like hey he's not playing well right now and fact is he's not playing well right now but the guy that everyone's talking about not playing well is Rory And it's only because he missed two cuts. Like he's not playing up to Rory standards because we remember Rory as being like the most consistent guy. He's always inside the top 10, but he has three top 10s and seven starts. He has top 15 finishes in every other event. He hasn't missed the cut in. He missed the cut at Genesis. That sucks. He missed the cut at players. That sucks. He had two bad rounds. That was the end of him. But I think if you look at it on paper, he's still Rory. He's come inside the top five, two of the past three years at the Masters. And it really feels like there's this overwhelming narrative that people think that he's Sucks now.
0: So those two events you mentioned, the Genesis and the players, he both, I mean, he lost 11, almost 11 strokes putting between those two events alone, which is pretty terrible, even for, for Rory not putting great, um, first of all. And then I think some of that comes from the things that he's been saying, you know, going back to like these, these pre-tournament pressers, he hasn't sounded like confident like rory and and i love the fact that he's so open and he's always been really open with the media he's always told us exactly how he's feeling exactly how he's playing which a lot of these guys don't do but he's he's kind of alluded to how he's felt lost he talked about chasing distance after seeing bryson and how he's trying to find the swing again Uh, and so i think that's concerned people and added uh, you know a a story behind how he's played why he's played poorly however I do think there's something to, it's Augusta, right? And we know that whether you're a course history lover or denier, you fall somewhere in between. We do know that there is something to the experience around Augusta and especially on these greens when these guys don't have these freaking green books that show them everything that, you know, every little break, every subtlety. A lot of that local knowledge and that knowledge of playing it year after year after year, I think definitely um, will be something that Rory is going to look forward to having, and we all know how bad he wants to win the Masters. So it will be an interesting, you know, uh, thing to look at when it comes to ownership and Rory. But I think he could bounce back here after the players and be just fine in top five and maybe win.
1: It's just really interesting to me, Ben, because I, I don't need to talk you into Rory. I assume he's your pick no, to win. No, you don't. Because uh, <laughs> that just happens every single time that we do one of these shows. And eventually it's going to work out for you. But he has the no win since 2018. Now there's all this talk about his driving going into the tank. And it's been bad the past two events. Like, at API, he came in 10th and barely gained on the field, which barely gaining on the field is not good enough for Rory, one of the premier drivers of the ball uh, in the world. And then at the players, he lost two and a half strokes, but the players is really wonky if you look at both approach and driving stats because you hit into the water twice and then it makes it seem like you're the worst driver in the world. Now, it wasn't great in Austin either and we don't have all of the data from that, but in other events this year, like he gained almost three at WGC Mexico, that was against the best players in the world. He gained almost four in Phoenix. He gained almost four in three rounds that were weighted at the farmers. So it's not like he's broken by any means. All this is really done. It seems is put people off the scent of Rory and it's got rid of the narrative that he needs to win the masters to finish the grand slam.
2: Yeah, it's good. It's uh get everyone out. Everyone can abandon ship it. Listen, it's all about expectations. I remember when we came back from the break and Rory was in contention, you know, handful of times and he wasn't winning. And it felt like it was just awful and he's playing terrible. And then you looked at the finishes, you know, he's he's burning the edges on top tens and things like that. It's just not up to Rory standards. And now, you know, you look at these cuts uh, what's there to say you, you, when you lose as DB just talked about, find me guys that lose five strokes putting in two rounds that are going to make the cut. It's very, very difficult. Now there's no doubt that they the game is not in tip top shape and maybe it is the Bryson situation. I don't know why he's tinkering with distances, I mean, the guy's unstoppable off the tee. He should have just left it. But uh, I still believe that the bigger concern with Rory is the floor, not the ceiling. There is no doubt in my mind that Rory still has the ability that if he brings his A game, he will be there at the end. I think he's a little more likely to be nowhere than he usually is. And that's incurring extra risk. But the leverage you're going to get ownership-wise Uh, It's a clear justification to still buy in. I'm not, I'm honestly not concerned. I know I'm biased with Rory, but I think he's just as live to really compete here as he always is.
1: The last guy in the $10,000 range that we haven't talked about is Xander Shoffley, who's contended. I mean, he contends everywhere and then doesn't win. That's sort of his MO, although he does have four wins on the PGA Tour. It's been a while for old Xander. So David, what do you make of his prospects? Because $10,000 seems like the right number for him. But I just feel like everyone else above him has so much more win equity. Like he feels like a nice second man in, but if I can make Rory my second man in, I think I'd just rather do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, but Rory's never won the Masters either, you know, and like had plenty of chances to do it. Xander was runner up to Tiger in 2019. We all remember we all remember that. Uh well, maybe you don't because you were just so focused on Tiger. But I mean, I I do think Xander has top, you know, we all know he's got top five upside. We feel pretty good about that. You talked about how he comes in second all the time. He checks a ton of boxes here in terms of ball striking. He's top he's ninth in the field in strokes game par five scoring over the last twenty-four rounds. He just does a lot most everything pretty good. And at ten thousand, I don't necessarily know that we have to have him win, but I, I do feel like Xander's always pretty popular. So I guess it just depends. I I think we're gonna get to some names in the nine K range that I probably would rather pivot to than Xander, depending on the ownership. But I don't know, man. I I think Xander's still a um. I'm maybe a Xander Homer here. I think he's a dog. Like even though he hasn't quite proved it, I think the kid's got a lot of fight in him and a lot of a lot of uh, you know a lot of win equity in him that he hasn't really shown yet. Uh, so we'll see if I'm I'm made to look like a fool here down the road. But I think he's kind of a dog, and I think he could get it done and shock a lot of people.
1: If we have to make picks from this ten thousand dollar range, Ben, do you think you're going to go with one of them or two of them to start your lineups? Just thinking about it in more of a lineup construction type of way and who do you think those guys would be because i think i'll probably go rom over dustin there's been a lot of talk that dustin might be unpopular coming into the week i don't buy that for a second he's the reigning champion he's the number one player in the world and he's also the most expensive guy with the lowest betting odds like people are going to use dustin johnson and they probably should because he's great but i like rom a lot i'll gamble on the fact that maybe he won't go away and then it's probably rory or Bryson for me after that I don't know what to do with Justin Thomas Uh, I feel like I should use him but then I'll just talk myself out of him like a goober like I always do
2: Uh, yeah I mean that sounds great to me in theory I probably want to rotate two uh, combos of two of these three would be Rory Rom and JT Bryson's the one I don't know what to do with because it's just such a difficult sell uh both ways he's so electric but I, I also think He can get himself into situations, and and sometimes at Augusti, I think he tends to press. You know, A lot of these things, when this first started, this whole initiative, people said he's doing it for the Masters specifically, and I don't know how that really translates, how you quantify it, but uh, yeah, I think just looking real quick, you plug in a couple of those guys, you're going to be north of 7K still for the other four spots. That's still an easy build with the soft pricing, so you can absolutely double up uh, north of 10. Where are you going at the very top, David?
0: You know, just uh, what was it? Four months ago, five months ago, a guy at sixty one hundred dollars beat Bryson DeChambeau in the twenty twenty Masters in Bernhard longer. So, it, it is kind of wild when you think about we're not that far removed from it. So, Bryson is somewhat puzzling. I'm pretty locked in on JT. I can tell you, I, I, I really, I really am probably gonna lock in on JT. You may have kind of turned me a little bit on Rom, like talking me into like sacking up a minute and and maybe putting him in some some you know, mass entry GPPs or the Millie maker. Um, but I think I'm going to be pretty firm with JT. I might dabble in some ROM. And then from there, I think I'm just going to wait and see how it goes with Bryson. Uh, and, and I might pull a trigger on him or I might, I might just stick with those two. Do you
1: think there's anything to the lack of rough at Augusta National and the places that we've seen Bryson do really well are these longer tracks, generally tough tracks? Although I guess you can throw the players out of that question, too, uh, just because, you know, it's it's not really like it's not really like any of the other courses. But like API, uh, the U.S. Open, where Bryson's distance is such an advantage and his power out of this thick rough is such an advantage versus the rest of the field where that is kind of non-existent at Augusta
0: it really is i mean it's very neutralized the the rough augusta is so nice like it's nicer than a lot of courses that you know you and i would play in our our hometown it's just a little bit longer like i mean and it's even not that long so the rough at augusta for sure does not help bryson in, in that in those terms at all it's obviously way more about uh, his his game around the greens, his touch around the greens, which has been suspect at times, his wedge play, which has been suspect at times. I think that's really the big question mark for him.
1: And he comes in firing, gaining a bunch of strokes on approach at both API and the players. So that part of his game, which we usually look at as a huge negative, has turned into a yep. massive positive, at least recently. Long form, not so much. It's usually driving and putting, which sometimes is good enough at S. Bubba Watson. But if you can get those approaches in short game, just to be neutral, he's going to be fine. Let's drop into the nine thousand dollar level, though, and then Patrick Cantlay is there at the very top at ninety eight hundred dollars. Then you have Morikawa at nine six, Spieth at nine four, Reed at nine three, Brooks at nine two. We don't know whether or not he's playing as of this recording or not. We're going to assume he is. Tony Finau at ninety one hundred dollars, and then Webb Simpson at nine thousand. Okay, Then. I had this rule for years that I don't care how owned he is or what his odds are on DraftKings and his price point. Just use Jordan Spieth at Augusta. And he's playing well. He's probably going to be the most popular guy in the player pool, but there's just something about this course where he tends to do really well. What do you do
2: with Spieth? Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, you can't argue with the success here. It's been absolutely fantastic. And you look, of course, the results took a step back, but his game took a step back. So I don't think that's really any surprise. And now he's shown that that he is kind of back in form. He's going to be coming off. We don't know what's going to happen at Valero, but so far looks pretty good. It's just the ownership. When we're talking about a field like this, there's so much talent and there's so much depth to it. I have a really hard time getting over on people that are a lightning rod for ownership. And it's nothing that Speeth is doing. In fact, ironically, the better he plays, the harder it becomes for me to play him. Like if he wins Valero, I, I don't think I can get over. That would just make it even worse. So with other pivots right there, I, I like Speeth in theory, but I won't hesitate to 1v1 him when I'm going to get a fourth or fifth of the ownership.
1: David, it's essentially like betting the no pass line and craps when it comes to not playing Jordan Spieth. Like, if he wins, you're not going to win any money. But do you take that risk knowing that if he fails, and not even fails in the sense that he misses the cut, but let's say he comes 39th, that you can really get an edge on one of these giant fields by taking Patrick Reed, who's $100 less, who could very well win this tournament.
0: The thing that I still don't love about Jordan is the the off the tee game. Because I I do think to win at Augusta, you need to have everything needs to be rolling. Sure there's some things that you're gonna do really, really exceptionally well that week, but I think everything still needs to be rolling pretty good and He's 60th off the tee in the last 24 rounds, according to Fantasy National. And even yesterday, which, you know, we're recording this before he's teed off round two at the Valero, but yesterday comes out round one, Valero. Everybody's freaking out. He's five under. Oh, my God, he's going to win. He hit six of 14 fairways yesterday at the Valero. It's, you know, not not easy fairways out there. I get that. Um, you know, teed green, or strokes gain off the tee at the Valero. He's 84th in the field so far. So, I mean, the off the tee thing still scares me a little bit because that's where you can... You know, he just you can make a lot of bogeys if you're not coming into these greens properly. And obviously, Jordan can get up and down with the rest of them and save a bunch of pars. But I don't know that I love the prospect of him winning enough to overcome the ownership. So I'm probably out. And I'll post the gif of I will not fade Jordan Speed, the Masters Bart Simpson gif. I'll post that when he freaking wins.
1: So the other guys who I expect to be popular in this 9K range are going to be Cantley and Finau. And the other players, Morikawa, Reed, Brooks, I don't know what to do with Brooks, and Webb, I feel like are going to come in wildly underowned versus the very high-end here. Like Cantley and Spieth, people are going to be on them for sure. People are always on Finau. Whether he makes the cut or not at the Texas Open, I don't really think that's substantial. People will play Tony Finau either way. But people look at Reed. They don't like Reed. They don't want to play him. Brooks, he's injured. Is he even going to play? Ah, he'll gain some momentum if it looks like he is going to play, but it won't be substantial. Morikawa, people think that he's overpriced and they didn't like what he did back in November at Augusta and his shot shape doesn't really fit historically with what you would want. He lacks experience at this course and people really like to have that and where he's so expensive at $9,600, it's going to keep people off him as well. And Webb Simpson, he's not playing great. Him and Hatton are kind of in the same bucket right now where they're both inside the top 10 in the world rankings. However, the play that got them there is not currently what they're doing. I, however, Ben Raza, really like Webb Simpson this week.
2: Oh man. Yeah. I, I know. I know you do. And you're kind of, which is shocking because I, I never play web kind of interesting though. Um, I think again, this is where it comes back to what we were talking about at the top. There's going to need to be specific conditions uh, and specific lineup construction for me to get web in there. I, certainly. I think we all know that if he wins, it's not going to be because of the off the tee game. It's going to be in spite of that kind of like Spieth in a lot of ways, he's going to decimate with the short game. Certainly an incredible putter, get some wedges in his hands and whatnot, maybe attack the par fives in in three in some ways. But I just don't know exactly. Ownership dissipating on him, of course, makes it interesting. Webb at times has been extremely chalky in some of these spots. I don't think we see that here. And that does appeal to me. When we're talking about players of this caliber, I know it's not you know the most interesting content, but I just don't think there's big enough gaps between the talent of these guys when you have ownership that is so wildly dispersed. So if some of them are going to crater... If I can make justifications, I probably will go for the lowest owned.
1: I'm good with passing on Morikawa, David, but I like Webb, like I mentioned, and just even to look back at him his past two masters, 10th and 5th. I think that people would be pretty stunned to actually see those results from Webb Simpson, and especially because he's not playing as well coming in right now, but clearly he's kind of figured out how his game can actually translate to Augusta National. I just keep staring at it and staring at it, that if I can take a Rom or take a Rory or even a Justin Thomas or Bryson, start my team there, and then be able to go Patrick Reed and Webb Simpson, feel like I have a lot of win equity in my lineup with three players.
0: Yeah, I mean and and I don't think there's any doubt Webb Simpson can win the Masters. Like I really think he has the chops that if he's in it on Sunday he can close the door and do it. Um and and I was a little surprised at how good he played in November on a soft, you know, longer Augusta National. So, um I think Webb is a very is, is very much in play for me as well. I'm looking at him. Uh, I'm always a fan of Reed here. I'll you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit like Feinberg and I just have this thing for Captain America. Uh, and, and, um, so I'll, I'll very much, you know, probably have some Patrick Reed exposure as yet again, we come around to another masters where he's probably going to be un, uh, under owned and overlooked. Uh, and I'm going to eat the chalk with Cantlay. I, I, as soon as pricing came out, I saw $9,800 Cantlay and it, it got me going. Um, I, 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 just love the guy's ball striking. I love the T to green game. You know, he finished ninth here when tiger won, but he, I think he walked off a 16 with the lead at one point um and just kind of got caught but I I think Cantley is very much live here uh, as well so he'll probably I think Cantley and Simpson are probably my two favorites and I'll for sure have a sprinkle of read I'm sure
1: now comes the big question Brooks Kepka just got engaged in the Dick Tracy's on the internet were sleuthing that oh the knee must be fine he got down on one knee like real great work there <laughs> internet if he does play The guy is, I mean, he's the big game hunter. He's been in contention at Augusta a bunch of times. He has the perfect game for this course. He's well-rounded. And, Ben, when it comes to ownership, you just feel like you know that he's going to be in the single digits. Do you take the chance that maybe he's 85% of the way there and that's good enough?
2: So I think that if you're playing in, say, the $10 milli and you're trying to beat a couple hundred thousand people, this is a pretty good idea uh, because Brooks Kepka's ceiling, as we know, is insane. Uh, I've experienced it many times the wrong way, uh, not realizing that he can just go out and do it in these type of tournaments. So that's going to be obvious leverage small field, single entry. Personally, if Brooks wins, it's going to have to beat me. I just think there's so many unknowns and we've talked about a lot of guys with red flags, but when we're dealing with an injury like that, I don't, I mean, we don't even know if he's going to play. So I I think it's tournament based. You got to know the right structure, clearly volatile. The range of outcomes with him, I think is bigger than anyone in this range, maybe anyone in the tournament, to be honest
1: david is he a better bet at 25 to 1 which i'm guessing goes to 30 or 35 to 1 by monday than to use and just don't play him on DraftKings, just bet him to win where you know there's no difference between withdraw and second either he wins or he doesn't
0: yeah i mean i i would probably be more comfortable with that but i'm also going to wait and see you know you know he's going to sit in front of the the press at the masters and they're going to ask him about it um And he's gonna give his normal Brooks Koepka injury answers, Uh, but I I think we kind of wait and see what his Masters week looks like leading up to Thursday. I there's a part of me that feels like Brooks is just a big troll. Does anybody else feel that way? Like I I feel like in a way he could be trolling us a bit for this. You know, I, I think he probably prefers to come in a little as an underdog, a little bit under the radar. I think that's what he would like. Obviously, he had a knee procedure. I'm not saying he didn't have a knee procedure. We we all know that, but it just feels like it would be a big effing troll job if brooks came out and won this damn thing so i don't know that i'll have any brooks rom stacks but maybe take a chance on one of those guys like ben said in the ten dollar and we roll with it
1: again if you want to get into some giveaways to get some free entries into the ten dollar millionaire maker on DraftKings, leave a rating and review for the pat mayo experience podcast on apple podcast five stars something nice ...about the show. You don't even have to say something nice about me. Something nice about the show. It could be about Ben or David. Great guests. Pat sucks, but these guests, they're great. Leave your Twitter handle or email address to get yourself in that draw. I'll probably give those away on Wednesday's Pat Mayo Experience. Maybe even Tuesdays, Pat Mayo Experience. You have time to go enter the tournament in case it fills early. Pat Mayo Experience, listeners league link in the description of this video and podcast as well. Get in it right away. When we look at the past winners... Of the Masters, I think there is some confusion about the type of player that actually ends up winning. So, going back to Bubba Watson in 2012, his first win, he was the lowest ranked player in the world rankings to win the Masters since. He was 18th in the world rankings. I think people get confused about Danny Willett because so many people bet him at triple digits 125 to 1, 100 to 1. He was 70 to 1 week of. But he was also the number 12 player in the world going in. The reason that people were betting Danny Willett is not because we as bettors and DraftKings players were disrespecting Danny Willett. It's because DraftKings pricing and the books were disrespecting his talent and where he ranked in the world, Ben. That should we try to be jamming as many as these basically top 20 players into lineups as possible?
2: I think there's no doubt. And I mean, even when we go back to when Reed won it and guys like that, I know they weren't the obvious picks, but they're such world-class players. There's, I don't see many ways where someone truly out of the blue, you know, some of these tournaments that we talk about on a weekly basis, you know that you have six guys, but you're not even sure which one's going to do the heavy lifting with placement points. At Augusta, it's a little different. You kind of have a, a strict hierarchy where you know probably your you know your top two or three guys are going to be responsible for actually winning the tournament, and the other three need to just make the cut and kind of do some things. That's not the case each week, and I think that's one of the many unique things about a major like this.
1: What do you think about it? And like when it comes to experience, DB, how much weight are you putting on that? Because I kind of glossed over Morikawa, and we know Mor- Morikawa is number four player in the world. Like we should be putting a bit more credence into him, but I worry about his lack of experience. And the only time he's experienced it. Is going to be at a tournament where it's not really going to have much relevance to one being played in November, one being played in
0: April. Yeah, it really doesn't. I mean, other than the fact that you get your first kind of like, oh my god, I'm here at the Masters kind of vibe, but you also had it without any patrons whatsoever. So I don't, I don't know how much that's worth. I think it just kind of depends too on the type of player. I mean, I I do tend to lean more towards length here at Augusta, like par five scoring and. Orakawa recently has not been great scoring on the par fives, despite his excellent approach play. And he's definitely not a long hitter by by any means. So I think you have to kind of weigh all of that in total, but I mean, experience does matter here. That's for sure. But I'm willing to overlook that, for example, on a player like Victor Hovland, as we get down to the 8k range, just because, um, you know, lacks some experience as well, played here as an amateur and did really well as an amateur, but um, didn't get to play in 2020. And, uh, I don't know, like I, I still based on his skill set and what he's done recently, I think I'm willing to overlook it. So it's probably just a, a bias per player based on the total package.
1: Just a quick heads up. If you're interested in MLB, FTNDaily.com. Has its annual package out right now. It's all the content, all the picks, all the cheat sheets, all that stuff. But included in the annual package are all the tools and the optimizer. And the price is going to be two hundred and fifty bucks per year. But you use code Mayo right now, you get twenty percent off until Thursday to drop it down to two hundred dollars for the entire baseball season. That's like thirty bucks a month, and it's well worth it because you get that optimizer as a part of the deal. So ftndaily.com right now. Use code Mayo at checkout. Get that twenty. Okay, back to the show. Yeah, you can talk yourself in or out of any type of player thinking about this stuff and going into it. So the reason I bring this up is because we head into the 8K range, and there's just a lot of that type of player, like Hatton and Westwood, 89 and 88. No one's going to use those guys. Hovland, 8,700. Sungjae, coming off a second-place finish at the Masters in his first Masters in November, $8,600. Berger, 85. Scheffler, 84. Matsuyama, 8,300. Cam Smith, who is, along with DJ and Rory, one of three players with 2 Two top five finishes, the last three Masters. He is $8,200. Fitz is $8,100. Tommy Fleetwood is $8,000. Ben, I look at this entire board, I love Berger at $8,500. He is set up so perfectly for this course. Never missed the cut at the Masters, had a top 10 in his debut, and he's playing great.
2: Yeah, he he absolutely is. Uh, No doubt about it. Again, he's not... I don't know when I think of Augusta, I, I certainly don't think of Daniel Berger. I think more of obviously like St. Jude for for clear reasons. But you know, there's no doubt that his game—he he's got the total package right now. He knows what he's doing, and I, I think that's kind of a a, a like a weird—I don't even know what to call it. But there are certain guys I love the way they play because all their skill sets mesh well. Like you, know, if you're a great bomber and you can't hit wedges, that doesn't actually help you. Uh, you know, because you're going to get a lot of wedges, and that's not your strong suit. The way Berger plays, you know, off the tee he gains. He's no bomber or anything, and it sets up well. It gets to good iron ranges for him. He's a good putter, and I think that can be really effective. So he knows his game. He's a strong player. I feel like he has a pretty good floor. I don't know exactly. I'm not looking to bet him. He's not going to make my betting card. Uh, I think there's more aggressive plays, but certainly Berger at 85 is more than a fair tag.
1: I think that I might end up betting Berger. I haven't made any Ooh. bets on the Masters yet, but I like what his number is. So you mentioned Hovland, David. So Hovland, are you in on Berger as well as a DraftKings play, a potential bet, or is there other guys in this eight thousand dollar region that you're looking at?
0: No, I, I like Berger a lot. I'm, I'm now that you're so hard up on him, I'm pretty sure he's now he's going to get he's going to be chalk um, like no other. But I, I do like Hovland at 87. Um, I just. The ball striking is really appealing to me. The improved around the green game is appealing to me as well. Um, and I think he'll go a little bit, I don't know, I feel like I'll get a little bit less exposure um, with Hovland in terms of ownership than we're used to seeing. I'm definitely not going to play Lee Westwood at 8,800. And I, I'll never forget playing my home course, Champions Retreat, on Friday afternoon uh, last year. Was it Was it last year or whatever? He missed the cut, and then right after he missed the cut, he came and played Champions, and he was like throwing his clubs all over Champions and just pissed off because he was playing so terribly um but yeah hovland is is, is in play for me and then i'm kind of getting suckered into hideki right now with the whole valero thing so yeah
1: but he's that yeah it's one round at valero the irons have been fine for him going into it and he's not having a great day too at valero <laughs> so hideki has historically played really well at this course but are we overlooking like what sung jay has done even when you look at sung jay's stats this year the driving, great. The putting, great. Everything else has been kind of crappy. But he's just one of those guys that, like, next week, the irons will be awesome and the driving will go away. It's, he's so strange because he's good at everything, but he goes through these spurts of only being good at two of the four things that he needs to be good at.
0: Yeah, I think just from from just across the line, looking at these strokes gain numbers recently, I would much rather have Hovland and Berger than Sung Jae. I'm not going to I'm I already said like I think the Masters in November is just it's just going to be different. And I don't know like I am not going to get caught up in the, you know, the runner up Sung Jae in November. I, I love Sung Jae. I think he's a great player, but yeah, he's been a little wonky with the irons uh and and also they around the green game not great. I don't know. I, don't, I I think I'm out.
1: Yeah, and then I don't know what to make of Cam Smith here, Ben, because obviously the Masters history is really good. Should we buy into that because I mean, his driving has been so bad essentially since the tour got to Florida. Now, is that because there's too much water around? I don't know. But the way that he was saving himself and the shot shapes in November was pretty majestic. And his around the green game has been really good at Augusta National, which is really going to help him. But he's been saved by a hot putter over and over and over again. Can he continue to do that?
2: Yeah, majestic. That's right. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I mean, it's been ridiculous, but... At some point, some of these guys Spieth-esque, like they they have a different formula and it can be effective. It just puts such a tremendous strain, though, if you know uh, that your off the tee game is going to be bleeding strokes. You better be laser focused with your irons, and if not, you better be scrambling like a wizard. And he can do that. I just think that the secret's kind of out. You know, some of these circumstances where he really returned value, he wasn't next to players of this caliber, and I think the ownership's going to travel up the board with them. I would rather, I mean, look who you're talking, but I would rather roll the dice with Hideki. I know it's Hideki, and that brings a whole other set of problems, but his ability to attack par fives, I know the putter is an issue. The history, he's the type of player, he's coming in with no noise whatsoever, barring something crazy at at Augusta, he could be your, your, or at Valero, he could be your third or fourth man in on teams. I feel better with that than I do with Cam Smith. Do you feel better
1: about Scheffler than Hideki?
2: So that's a tough one. I I don't know. I mean, both of you guys. I'm interested to hear what you'd say about that because again, I don't golf. But he looked visibly worn down at the match play, and and then he tees it up at Valero. He's a strong player. Looked good at Augusta. He does everything I want, but I I truly don't know what to do with him. Certainly, would rather have Berger. Think I'd rather have Decky over Scheffler.
1: I would rather have Burger as well, but DB, I think I would go with Scheffler over Burger. And like, I can't figure out what to do with the, like, any of the Brits in the 8K range. I've, I'm just throwing my hands up. I don't know what to do with
0: them. Would you would go with Scheffler over Burger, you said? No, Burger H- over H- Scheffler, H- Scheffler over okay. Hideki. Okay. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I, I have the worst history getting Scotty Scheffler correct. He and I are not on a great relationship in his first couple years on the PGA Tour because I can't nail it down. I think he's a world-class talent. I really do. And I think he's going to win a lot on the PGA Tour. Um, but, damn, I cannot get this boy right at all. And and I don't think – I agree. Like I think Sunday in the match play he did look tired. I mean, that match was just a freaking pillow fight if we've ever seen one. But – I don't know that he would have played in Valero if he if he was that concerned about it leading up to Augusta. He's obviously a young kid. I, I don't really worry about the fatigue at Augusta. Uh, by the time he gets there, I think he'll be good and rejuvenated. Um, but I, I just can't get the guy right. I, I really can't. I would love to be able to. If I'm going to play a Brit here, uh, Pat, I think I'm going to roll with Fitzpatrick. I, I like where he's at right now I think he's really confident he's talked about that he's added a little bit of distance in the in the last few months and successfully unlike Rory uh, and he needed to add distance unlike Rory so I like where Fitz is at and he's got a great record here I mean in terms of like making cuts and decent finishes he's never really had a ton of top 10s but uh, I like I like where Fitz's game is at and I think he's confident
1: He's made the cut at the Masters five years in a row. His best finish was the Danny Willett year in the win. He ended up coming T7. I think Westwood was second that year as well. So, and obviously with Danny Willett winning, uh, the conditions that year really lean towards the British players. It doesn't seem like that's going to be so much the case this year, Ben, but just even looking back at his recent form and his stats, like he's been really good. Uh, fifth at the Genesis, 11th at WGC uh, Concession, 10th at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, 9th at the Masters, it seems like one round is really taking off on him but as db kind of pointed out like he's gained off the tee in these fields in each one like that's not what we're used to we're used to chipping and putting which has also been there and the irons being really good and it overcomes his poor driving but these aren't scrub fields like the genesis isn't a short course api is not a short course concession was not a short course and he's beating guys off the tee there so there might be something to fits cuz my heart of hearts, because I love him, just wants to play Hatton. He was never played well at the Masters, but he's a top 10 player in the world. Maybe you just get lucky that he just kind of shows up when the world is off of him. But Fitz would probably be my lean.
2: I would lean to Fitz as well. I mean, it's it's an interesting combination now because we know that, you know, the putting and the around the green game, you know, it's volatile, but most likely it travels. He's incredible at that but this off the tee, I mean, this is the best he struck it there probably ever. They had a distance. Now, of course, it puts, like most things, his off the tee is better. His irons have regressed in this small sample size. But I think overall, that's probably a net positive for a guy like Fitzy. Um, you know, he's his ability to hit long irons and attack some of these par fives is there. He can get up and down. And with conditions, you know, we were talking at the top, we don't know. He's more built for the unknown. Like say we get crazy wind or wet weather in the middle of the tournament and it turns into something. I trust him a lot more to deal with that than some of these other guys.
1: Especially where the wind can mitigate some of the bombers. That's when someone like Patrick Reed or Matthew Fitzpatrick or even Hatton for that matter and Webb Simpson, those type of players can really get a bump up. I would actually throw Spieth into that mix too. That the worse the conditions, maybe the better he's going to play because everyone's going to be everywhere. And then it's just yep. who can scramble the best. And those guys are the best scramblers on the planet. Fleetwood, anyone? I know I'll <laughs> talk to Feinberg and he'll tell me how it's like, it's Tommy's time, but I'm not buying it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I'd rather have Paul Casey if I had to take yeah. another one. How chalky is Paul Casey going to be? <laughs> lot.
1: Yeah. This is interesting because this top of the 7K range, I think you can make a very viable case for like the first six guys, and it might just come down to who is the lower owned. I think you hit the nail on the head that Paul Casey is most definitely going to be the highest owned. But you got Sergio, Bubba, Casey, Scott, Day, Louis all guys that have played really well at Augusta over the years. Adam Scott is currently fourth on the PGA Tour in consecutive cuts made, which kind of blew my mind, because you don't think of him that way. And Then he took so much time off uh, right after COVID returned, and then, you know, we see him every once and again, and his game seems to be a little bit out of sorts, but I was rather encouraged. Uh, He's putting a lot better, and the way that he has played at some of the quote-unquote crossover courses, like Tory Pines or Genesis. Like, you know, he won Genesis last year. He was top 10 at Tory Pines this year. He was top 10 at Honda. And then I look at someone like Bubba, for instance. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but he's a two-time Masters champion. And David, he just played really well at match play, which is just a course where Bubba plays well. If Bubba's just going to do this thing where every once in a while he just shows up at courses where he plays really well, this is one of them.
0: Yeah, actually, he was one of my. Uh, I didn't. I didn't have a lot of bets for match play, but I had him at 125 to one in the match play. I was really excited when he made it through the group play. I think Bubba's for sure in play. I think you're right. We, and I maybe we've maybe we made this point and I forgot, but uh, we should mention that there's only like 80 something players in this field. So maybe you know leaving a little salary on the table, especially in the middle, league, is probably a good idea. Let's not get duplicated lineups. And you talk about the first six guys in this field. I mean, that's a pretty strong first six guys, and we know that the, the, the pricing is always weak uh, or pretty soft for a week like this. I, I think you're going to have to plant your flag on a couple of these guys and leave it at that. You're not going to be able to play all of them. Paul Casey is just so sexy right here at 7,700. You feel like you get value. You get top five upside. You know, I, I remember he, he nearly won the PGA when Colin Morikawa won it. We thought Casey would never win a major, and he still hasn't, but I'm saying he, he, he's got the chops. I think he could come close. Uh, and return plenty of value for you. I think I'm leaning more on Casey and Jason Day in this uh, in these top six. I think that's where I'm looking.
1: I'm trying to whittle down the list, Ben. And so far, I've got it to Sergio, Bubba, and Jason Day. Those would probably be my three of those six. What about you, Louis? Yeah, of I
2: mean, I I can't. <laughs> What'd you say? I say Louis, of course. <laughs> well, yeah, Louis, of course. That's a given. Uh, I can't quit Casey. I was so yeah. so sure he was going to win at the Players, and if he didn't hit it in the water. Half dozen times he probably would have. Um, I don't (laughs) really understand. Uh, Disturbing, I I can't. I can't with him, it's always something, but you know, we've talked a lot about leverage, and I always say this it's a six man roster, you don't need to leverage six spots. And if I have some teams that are really unique up top, I will take Paul Casey and give me a T13 and let's call it a day. I'll be very content with that. Jason Day, you know, it's always how is he healthy? How's the back? Who knows? But I feel very comfortable with him. I expect him to be ready to go. And I think this range in particular has more win equity than you would think for the mid-range. These guys know what they're doing. They're all experienced. A lot of them have green jackets in the closet already. Uh, If there's – I'm not going to say a dark horse winner – but I would not be stunned if one of these guys uh, end up winning this tournament.
1: That's how I kind of feel about Sergio. Obviously he missed along with Joaquin Neiman, the masters in November because they both contracted COVID. They couldn't play, but Sergio's current form, just looking at the stats, David, it's really good.
0: You're just hoping to catch lightning in a bottle again, though, with his freaking putter. you know, But, but,
1: but isn't that all we can kind of ask for? I mean, isn't that essentially what we're doing with Justin Thomas too?
0: I think Justin Thomas is a much better putter than Sergio Garcia, like much better putter than Sergio Garcia. I mean, anybody putting with their eyes closed, I have a hard time <laughs> pulling the trigger for the Masters. And 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 then sometimes, and the other thing is he's not even doing it consistently. He's like, uh, this week I put with my eyes closed, you know, and then next week he decides he's not going to do that. I think I'd rather not. Uh, I do agree with you. He's striking the ball really well right now, and obviously he caught lightning in a bottle of the year he won, but I uh, I can't. I just, I'm not on, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to put myself through the uh, the shot link, Sergio was. He cost me it to make the cut parlay when he took the 15 on 15, whatever it was a few years
1: ago. In fact, he won the Masters, and since he has a miscut, miscut DNP the past three years at Augusta National. I think it just keeps a lot of people off of him. And yeah. maybe that there's something, too, that he can figure out, these Augusta Greens, maybe, who knows. But the driving and the chipping and the irons, especially – have basically been the best of any player in this field, like in recent form.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll let you roll with it, man. I think I'll take my chances with another uh, team no putt guy a little further down the board we'll get to,
2: I'm sure.
1: Well, Ben, uh, Jason Day is like firmly on team no putt at the moment.
2: Yeah, which that always freaks me out when guys like flip. I mean, thank God, well, Ricky's not here, so we don't have to talk about him, But like when, when historically good putters start, just losing the putting. And and it, I always call that kind of like a whack-a-mole situation where one thing goes, another thing is improved. It's very difficult. I don't know what to make of it. The one thing I'll say, and Pat, we've talked about this a lot over, you know, the recent shows, Jason Day's putting is, polarizing right now when he loses he loses like five strokes but when he gains he's still gaining a ton it's just not consistent and that to me is a good thing because that breeds a ton of upside when you get it right with his putter you're still getting that huge payoff and
1: day and louie are sort of in the same bucket where people are so terrified that they're going to withdraw at any moment that it's going to curb their ownership it just simply will if we drop to the lower end of the seven thousand dollar level We have a lot of interesting names, and one in particular stands out to me, and it has a lot of my favorites in here. You got Answer, the Mexican Allen Iverson. You got Joaquin Neiman, and he, again, he missed last time because of covid And the only time he's played is actually as an amateur, but like ball striking wise and his putting on bent, not necessarily on greens this fast, kind of sets him up to be really good here. However, English, uh, the best fast green bent putter there is. Will Zalatoris, it's a first time for him. Billy Ho coming off the match play win. He's up to number 14 in the world rankings. Justin Rose, we don't even know if he's going to play or not. Matthew Wolfe, oh, he did come back, so he's going to end up playing. Max home at seventy-one. Shane Lowry at seven thousand. Molinari and Big Dick Vic Perez seven thousand bucks.
0: Tell me. Wait a minute, do you, have two, do you have two Big Dick Vicks now with Hovland and Perez? I mean, uh,
1: Big Dick Vic Perez you know, currently has the Big Dick Vic title uh, with the way that he had played it's at the match He's
0: Even bigger Dick right now. Okay,
1: currently, so yeah. Hovland needs to get that back. But I have to do more research on this but I really like Max Homa here. I think he is perfectly set up. He is one of basically both of the comp courses that I like looking at, at Quail Hollow and Riviera. He has the distance. I don't know if the putter's ever going to shut up or show up, but I feel like he can run Finau type hot at this course.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I had three names here. Um, Homa's one of them. I uh, got his first taste of Augusta National in November, missed the cut, whatever. You know, I'm willing to toss that out. Uh, I think he's uh, – talk about a guy who's really, really confident right now. Love that about Max. So, in 7,100, I feel like he had a ton of value. And like you said, you know, some some strong top five upside here, top top five equity, if you will. Um, but I, I think I actually – my favorite player in this range is Joaquin Neiman at 7,400. I love the chops on the kid. Played here, I think, as an amateur Um but just big avocados on that guy. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like, and he hits the ball so far. If it gets firm and fast, that, that little low stinger he hits is beautiful. Um, and, and even if it doesn't, like, he's, he's still long enough that I really think he can take advantage out here. Ninth in this field off the tee in the last 24 rounds. 22nd in approach. 15th in birdie or better gained. Love Neiman here at 7,400. He's one of those, like, quote, first-timers in, like, tournament conditions that I'm willing to take a gamble on.
1: I like him on paper, Ben, but I don't know if I can get behind him here. Like, answer too, played really well in November in his first Masters. Like, Coke Rack is dead. Actually, Coke Rack is 69, but he missed the cut in his first Masters. Yeah. Feels like Vic Perez, I don't know what to make of him exactly. I mean, he is Francais, so he can be at the Auguste National smoking the long cigarette. I would enjoy that. And if the wind pick up, he can just use the cigarette to measure the wind. Always a great thing. And he's shown up like randomly at big either WGCs or major events for like three rounds. Then he kind of goes away a little bit. So he might be overly popular. So after Homa, it was actually Zalatoris and then Moanuri I was looking at, strangely enough. Uh,
2: Yeah, I mean, this is the first spot where this is kind of a dead range for me. Of course, there's plays. There's no doubt. But for most of these guys, I'm trying to find reasons to play them than rather say like, oh man, I have to eliminate a couple of these guys. I don't really want to play. You know, I I know Wolf has mega talent. I just don't really trust it. Neiman is the one guy who, you know, despite the lack of experience, I I just, I kind of do trust his game. I think, again, conditions will dictate. If if I anticipate that we might get, will it like grind it out? Well, that's not what I want. I I want Neiman getting streaks and bonuses because I think he can go low uh, and he's got that gear that can compete. But... (sighs) I thought you were going to say Shane Lowry. To be honest,
1: I can't. I just can't do it with Shane. I, it's David. Who is it that you say you never get right? Was it was it Scotty Scheffler?
2: Yeah, Scheffler. I can't.
1: I don't think I've ever gotten Shane Lowry right ever in my entire life. And never worse.
2: Xander, just the worst. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, Molinari kind of interesting. Again, I mean, we know he he can do it here. It's just will he? He got yeah. Will he? Probably doubtful. Homa. I mean, I, I believe in the Quail Hollow. Comp, for sure. That is something that uh, I, I see and I, I love his game. I just don't know exactly if I'll I'll need. I've talked to a lot of guys right above it. Most likely when I build, I'll try to find the money to get today. Neiman, Scott, Kate, those type of players before I click one of these names.
1: I think Matthew Wolf is one of the more interesting players. Obviously, I love Matthew Wolf, DB, and he did not look great in his first start at Augusta. But he's back off his injury, which was kind of a letdown. And then he played okay at the match play. He showed a lot of great flashes, and he started driving the ball out of bounds by trying to drive par fours all of the time. One of the problems, if you have a bit too much distance, but I think on paper... Wolf is kind of a perfect player for this course once he figures it out. Do you think that he can be there close enough because at the PGA Championship, not a problem. At the U.S. Open, not a problem. Came top five in both of those.
0: Yeah, I think, I think we could look down the road and say that about Matt Wolf. I don't know that we can say that about 2021, Matt Wolf. Um, I think you know he definitely has the length. He's got the chops to, to compete at Augusta. The Iron Play typically he has been pretty strong. But as spotty as things have been in his last few events since really the U.S. Open uh, and the Shriners, I guess back in October, it's been pretty rough, especially around the green, which you know I, I'm I'm gonna want to see a little bit better play out of that uh, for Augusta and being able to get up and down on these greens. So I think for 2021, Matt Wolf, I I don't think I could be talked into that one. I do think looking ahead, though, at his you know at his career, I could see the Masters being a place that suits him very very well.
1: Let's do it. Let's jump into the 6Ks because I have one hot take to break the world, Ben Raza. Are you ready for it? Is it about Siwo? Oh, no. I should probably... I got two hot takes to burn You're down the hot, world, okay. Ben. Now two hot
0: right. you <laughs> Now got, I'm you ready got for a, it. You got a hot take on Corey Connors, don't you?
1: I don't have a hot take. I was going to say uh, that Kevin Na is going to win the Masters just so DJ can oh put my the code God. on
0: him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that would... <laughs> That would
1: be awesome. Uh, it's funny, oh, when, I, when I started looking at how this course is going to play, and obviously not, is not the right skill set for Augusta National, however, he's played really well at some of these longer-type courses when it gets really firm and really fast, that if he's not a disaster off the tee, I actually do like Kevin Na, not to win, obviously, but like for a top 10, I could see Kevin Na being really good here.
0: What's, wow. his, what's his record? I'm looking at his record here.
2: That's... He's played it a lot.
0: He, and he does have like, let's see, T12 back in 2012, T12 in 2015, T13 in November. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, top 15 upside, top 10 upside. I, I could see it. I he's, probably won't.
1: He's $6,500. He was a part of the first ever, I think, Masters Millionaire Maker team. I, I just There's a couple guys down here that I like. So Na is one of them at 65. And I think that although he is a debutant, Ben Raza, he drives the ball a ton and he's left-handed the Scottish Tim Anderkust, Bobby Mack, Robert McIntyre, 6,500 bucks. I think this just sets up really well for him.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's someone obviously I've seen only a few times over here, as most. Uh, He's gotten some experience, hasn't really broken through by any stretch, but he's a talented guy. He is a lefty, and and you're you're really picking him to make a cut uh, and, and set it up for a permutation up top. That's very aggressive. I wouldn't go there just to go there, but there's not a lot that I I like. I got to ask, because I I keep trying to do this. I've done this a couple years in a row. DB, you're the man to answer this. Is Kisner just, is this just not the right course? Because I've tried and I've tried and I love him. I'm a huge Kisner guy. I assume I shouldn't be doing that, right? I personally,
0: I will not be having any Kisner investment okay. into this Masters. I think I have done it in the past as well because my heart wants it to happen. Um, it, I think, it, I think for Kiz, it's going to have to be one of those Zach Johnson years, right? Like whenever we talk to Kiz, it's always like, like if you text Kiz U.S. Open week and it's a place like what we saw last year, and you go, Kiz, how you thinking? How you looking? Or how you feeling? And he'll, his text back will be bro, have you seen how long this golf course is? I got no chance. You know, like he'll literally say that about himself coming into it. And we know that Augusta kind of fits that mold. So it's got to be one of those years where conditions are there. And and what's going to matter more than anything is keeping your ball under control in the wind from the fairway and getting up and down when you inevitably miss, you know, miss greens, which he will, you know, he'll be able to do better than anybody. So I think for now I'm out.
1: I am in on Siwoo Kim, by the way, uh, just, just, just to throw Pretty it cool. out there. Uh, he's yeah. he's done almost exactly with, because when you look at, like, recent form of Masters winner, Tiger really bucked the trend with being the first guy over 40 to win in ages, and he really had no form coming in. Although he wasn't a disaster, he had done really well at the match play and came inside the top 10 there. He just doesn't play all that often because he's Tiger Woods. And when you try to relate any sort of trend to Tiger and not look at, like, the macro version of everything, you know, he breaks a lot of trends just throughout the course of his career going through it. But you want a guy generally who's already won during the season and has like a bunch of top tens and that's see Kim come in he might withdraw, but he tends to play really well at August. He's made, he's made the cut each of the past three years he's got when he runs hot, he has the perfect game for here.
0: Oh, I, I love Siwoo here. Uh, you get I think that's about as much win equity as you can get down in this range. Uh, I'm not sure that you'd find anybody else to to deliver that. And Siwoo, when he gets to an event where Siwoo cares, uh, and this will be one of them, you're going to get his best stuff. I'm, I'm happy to see him playing okay at Valero. It looks like he's going to make the cut. He's on the last hole. He's one under. Um, but I I love it here. I love the distance, the aggressive nature that he plays. I, I'm all in on Siwoo. All right, Ben. Can can I talk you into see
1: Wu?
2: Yeah, played him in November. Come on, Ben. And, and, yeah, no, I'll, I'll get in there. Uh, I played him in November, and he was fine here. Uh, he just kind of does his thing. What you have to be able to do, you're gonna have some court. You just can't get deterred. There's a couple guys on tour, and he's one of them. If you're gonna play him, I firmly believe you should play him for like a month and just see what happens. And if he starts out with a couple miscuts, don't deviate because he's going to give you some data that just doesn't make a lot of sense and. I mean, he was awful, absolutely awful at Genesis and he was great at the players. Like he he can flip it and he can turn it. As you guys said, he's going to be, I'm not saying it means he automatically plays well. Clearly he's going to be focused and ready to go here. There's no doubt about it. Uh, And the game should translate and the opportunity cost. I mean, I don't know. I'm not really like for Telly. I I don't mind him, but he's as erratic as anybody. Kisner, we talked about. I don't really like Bez champ. I, I don't know. So there's not a lot down here.
1: Champ actually, I think, rallied to make the cut at Valeria. He went birdie, birdie, birdie on his last three holes to get inside the cut line after starting plus five. I don't know if plus two will hold by the time that we're watching this, but I kind of hope it do because I use Champ. But do you think that – I mean, DB, you're the best to answer this. Was Champ's success at the Masters in November because of the conditions?
0: Maybe. I don't know. I don't know about Champ's success right now, man. He, it, I mean – He's he's doing a lot off the course, and I don't know if that's distracted him lately, but I mean, he's not been great. So I think I'm out on him. I don't care how long he is. I'm, I'm out.
1: But he's sort of like the American Siwoo. Like, he could just play awful for ages, and just one week, he's got it all together, and he has that weird skill set that yeah, wins. Go- he, he, his, he, he, has, he has like the, I don't even want to say minor league. He has like the minor league, minor, he has like the single A version of Bryson's skill set.
2: Yep. He does. It's the, Uh, there's the combo off the tee and putting when you, when you pair that, it doesn't really matter how your irons are. It's an intoxicating. Terrible. is terrible. That's why that's the problem. But when he wins, his putting's great. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Sanderson farm season. Like he, yeah, I'm probably out too, but I, I get the window of how it could happen because he can do something so elite. And then he, he fluke putts. Um, I just don't know if I I'd rather play him than Phil, but that's not saying much. That's all I got.
1: It's funny because like when I look at his stats on paper, the player that he actually reminds me the most of, and obviously this guy's never won the Masters, but he's won a bunch of tournaments at long courses against really good fields is JB Holmes because JB sucks on the greens, except for the weeks that he wins. And all of a sudden he gains 10 strokes putting out of nowhere. And that's what champ has done
0: in both of his wins. I could see that. JB's a little better around the greens, isn't he? I, I don't, I don't have it in front of me. I feel like he is. Maybe I'm lying, but I feel like he um, can
1: be, but you never know with yeah. JB. You just don't know what JB Holmes is going to show up.
0: Yeah, I get that. I just, I, I, I don't see him as American CW because you got CW. Siwoo, CW a player's champion. CW si, won one events, not the Sanderson farms. And I don't know that kind of, that kind of does something different for me. Um, and th- I, I do think he's been much more consistent as of late. See who has like considerably more consistent. So I, I don't know that I can get on with that. I do have a name down here. I want to run by you though. It's 6,400. A guy who's made five of, I think five of five cuts at burned, the masters
1: burned Weisberger.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: The problem is I, I don't. And here's why. Although we did bet him this week at Valero, thanks to Ben Rosso. Thanks, Ben. (laughs) It's true. Maybe maybe he'll (laughs) make the cut. Who knows?
0: He's he's in my DraftKings pool, but yeah, he's not looking good. Uh,
1: The problem with him is we can talk all we want about how all we need Kevin Na to do or Bobby Mack to do is make the cut. That's not actually true at this tournament because so many people do make the cut that you actually need a good finish. And the problem with Bernd is, well, he makes the cut every single year. He's not good ever.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess I I guess I'm banking on what he's got two top 25s in five years here. I guess I'm banking on some improvement, <laughs> although it's not not necessarily what we've seen. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm banking on that plus that he's he's checking some boxes right now. I think he's he's hitting the ball well. The irons are looking pretty good right now around the green. He's he's always been pretty solid. Sixty four hundred. I mean, I feel like Burns gonna give can give you top twenty upside here.
1: Is there uh, like I, maybe you have to pick the sorts of lineups that you want to build like you said Ben uh, and that's something a strategy that you really go with but like would you be more inclined to play someone like burned or Matt Wallace or Zach Johnson if you thought
2: the weather was going to be bad? Oh, absolutely because what happens so there's two two theories of this like there you can play guys and say okay I need him to make the cut because I think it's going to be pretty easy and they can outscore their placement points by so many that it really doesn't matter if he comes in 43rd because he might have like the 17th most drafting points. I think it's going to play tough. The correlation between your placement points and your total points, the percentage will be way elevated. And I think some of these guys down here are particularly suited for that where you say, okay, there's not going to be a lot of bonuses and, and under 70 bonuses and things. So I'm just going to go to straight placement points. And I think that's where you can hone in on some of these guys and have it be effective, even if they don't give you you know, major upside.
1: Is there anyone below $6,500 that you like, Ben?
2: Uh, I mean, I I don't mind going to burn. I know that's he's been killing me. But I, I think in certain builds, the one guy that I don't know how ownership will be, but I want to see what happens if Stenson makes the cut because he's 6,200. If he vaults up the board at Valero, I think there's a world where he gets some steam at 62 because uh, Ty Strafassi is next to him. And I have a feeling that people would rather click Henrik Stenson's name. So I'm that that is one area I want to keep an eye on.
1: I don't know if I'm going to get below 6,500 bucks DB, but like, I don't think that anyone should ever play any of the old guys. I'm not Crazy enough to think that some of these guys aren't going to make the cut, that's fine. None of those guys are going to win. At least I feel like even if you use Bernd Weisberger, that he could win. Fred Couples ain't winning, I hate to tell you. Mike Weir, he's not winning the Masters this year. Could he make the cut and come 50th? Sure. That's probably not going to win you a million bucks either. Is there anyone from down there outside of Stenson maybe? Or maybe even Stenson that you could go to?
0: I probably won't get on Stenson, no matter what he does at Valero. I guess the lowest I would consider going, and I'm not sure if he's considered an old guy, but Stuart Sink is interesting. Um, $6,100 has added some distance off the tee. I think I count like six top 20s in his master's history. Obviously, a lot of those coming before uh, 2009, uh, which is a long time ago, it feels like. But, you know, added the distance, uh, playing well. I think confident maybe I could play Stuart Sink in a mass entry situation. But like Ben said, I don't know that I'll go below like burned. And I'm usually a Lonto guy at 6,400. So that's probably as low as it's getting for me.
1: If I really had to open everything up, I'm actually with you. Stuart Sink is not an awful play. He, I was not actually considering him amongst the old guys, although he is old. Like he's a regular, he's old he's a regular PGA Tour player who's won on the PGA Tour this year. Exactly. Yep. So we kind of glossed over the very top of the $6,000 range where most people are going to be. Is there a chance that Corey Connors with a good week at Valero DB is more owned than Jordan Spieth?
0: More than Jordan Spieth? I don't think so. But I think top five in ownership, top three maybe for sure. Um, But he's a little bit like Paul Casey to me. Uh, when we talk about, you know, Ben, I think Ben makes a great point that yes, you have to have leverage, but you don't have to have leverage in all six of your, of your spots on DraftKings. the value that you get out of Corey Connors and the salary relief that you get out of Corey Connors is 6,900, he's improved, you know, so much every, every time he comes to Augusta, he's played better. Um, the ball striking is so, so good. The putting is, he talked about it this week, leading up to Valero. He's done a lot of work on it. it's improving. There's so much relief at 6,900. It's going to be very hard to fade Connors based on ownership.
1: Ben, when I was at the Northern Trust, the first leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs, not last year, the year before, I stood in the gallery next to the putting green and watched Corey Connors miss 27 consecutive putts from eight feet.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a very believable story, let me tell you. Um Listen, yeah, I, I think there, he, he's chalk for a reason because he's an incredible ball striker and he's more likely to succeed than everyone around him. What you're trying to measure is, is he five times more likely to succeed? And on the team that you're placing him in, do you do you care that he's going to carry a lot of ownership? So you do have Kuchar also there who we'll see again. He's a Valero guy. Then you've got the pivots. I mean, Leishman to me is the...
1: That's where I was going I was I was, I was, yeah. I was just going to say, I think Leishman's just straight up a good play.
2: Yeah, I, I think that I, I, Connors probably has a better floor and, and he's doing things maybe a little more projectable. Leash is a wild man. Um, you know, he lost it late last year, seemed to have find it in early January. Now I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine, but I, I feel comfortable on certain teams making the pivot off what is a very solid play in Corey Connors.
1: The ball striking was really good at the Players' Championship for Leishman, but he lost the ability to chip and putt, which happens to the best of us from time to time. But the irons have remained really good. DB, in November, Leishman was god-awful. Then all of a sudden, he shows up to Augusta, and he's got it back again. He's just him, Poulter, and Coocher are just really tough to figure out. I think Leishman has the most upside. I think Leishman could potentially win if everything goes his way. I don't know if I would make that case for Kuchar and Poulter. And I see enough life in Leishman's game, and especially where he's won in his career already, that he makes the most sense out of those three where I just don't know if I can get to Kuchar or Poulter despite their good course history.
0: Leishman has way more win equity than both of those guys at this tournament. I agree with you 100%. I was going to make this point with Jason Day and I think it applies here to to Leishman as well. Cuz he talked about Day missing or losing like seven strokes putting and then Leishman that lost two strokes putting at the players but the ball striking was there for both of them. And and going back to Augusta that does not allow these highly detailed greens books. And if you you know, if you if you read enough transcripts, this is my, now my third freaking reference to these these press releases or these press conferences. If you read enough of them, you hear a few guys talk about how these books tell you everything you need to know about these damn greens, and and you get to Augusta and they just don't. And if you don't have the local, or you don't have the experience in playing them and putting them regularly, uh, you know that that edge that that you have is lost, and the edge it goes to a guy like. You know that that just has the knowledge. Even if he's coming in not putting that well, um, you, he's gonna he's gonna you know the gap is gonna be closed on 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 you because he understands what he's looking at. He knows where to set himself up in terms of approach shots, and I think that plays into the hands of experienced guys like Leishman, like Day, and like Rory too. You know, um, so I think that's something that you definitely need to consider when you're talking about Augusta.
1: That has to be like a huge huge
0: knock on Bryson then yeah I mean he loves you know I mean we we see him turn the book and we see him you know he's measuring every little grade on the green now the you, you
1: seem like you're pissed off about that I can hear it in your voice but it works for <laughs> him he's really good at it, it does. no
0: it does you you know my bias on Bryson no you you do um I just know that that the the I'm not a fan of the the Greens books, so I, I will that maybe that's more what it's coming from, not really my disdain for Bryson as a human, but it's more I don't <laughs> like the Greens books. I guess I'm a golf uh, an old man or purist there. I, I don't I want you to be able to be good at green reading. I think that's part of the game. It's not a science, it's an art to be able to read those greens, grow up reading those greens, and understand those slopes, um, and, and just the feel that you have when you're walking a green, you're reading a putt, so maybe that's where that's coming from.
1: Since we've basically named all of the names, the last two guys I think we should hash out here. I mean, we're trying to narrow it down. We got to talk about all the people. Ben Palmer and Ortiz are just sitting there. Palmer seems under. Palmer's the number twenty-five player in the world. I think he's sixty-six hundred bucks.
2: Kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I looked doing everything that you would want. Price is reasonable to me. It'll come down to how often do I need to dip this low. Uh, If I if I see owner, you know, if I start building and I realize. I'm really tied to this double 10 K Ryan Palmer is going to become a lot more important for me. If I can land and, and, you know, Neiman's my last guy in, well, I feel a lot more comfortable doing that with the mid sevens. I just, you can't have everything. So he will be strictly for salary relief, but this is a guy that I, I do feel comfortable if I have to go down there.
1: He has played the Masters five times, David. He has not played since 2015. He came 33rd that year. He came 10th in 2011. But this really does feel like the best he's ever played. Actually, 2011 would have been the best year he played. He would have won the Sony Open that year. That's the last time he actually won on a non-team event on the PGA Tour. That maybe we're just setting up that Ryan Palmer should be really good here.
0: A hundred percent. I mean, I'm not, listen, this is a really talented field, obviously, and it's, it's only 86 players or whatever it's going to turn out to be. Um, I, I'm not, if, if somebody came to me and said, Hey, Ryan Palmer's really popping for me and my model or whatever it is, I kind of want to play him. What do you think? Like, I, I don't, I don't have a great reason to really talk you off of it. Um, will he end up making the cut? Because obviously you can't play him all for me personally. I don't know, but I think he's, uh, I would rather have him over Carlos Ortiz, who you also mentioned, but yeah.
1: I think in that, like, I actually like the $6,500 players. Cause Palmer is actually 6500 not 6600 Palmer, McIntyre, and Nah. I don't need to play them together or use them in, like, all the lineups, but I think divvying up my lower 6K shares between those three guys, if I want to go Rom and Dustin or Dustin and Rory or something like that, I think that those guys work for me. I don't, I really don't think that the talent gap, like, May I when you get past let's say Neiman at seventy four hundred dollars. So you go from answer down to those guys, I don't think that there's a huge difference between them.
0: Yeah, I I was looking at like what Ben said was gonna run into like the dead range for him, which is that answer seven like low seven K range. And I think the reason why is because there's a lot of a lot of names in this six K range that you you feel like you could put right up there with them. Um and so that's you know there's there's a lot of talent in the 6k range that i like a lot um so i'm with you there
1: yeah i, I think i've talked myself into zella Torres as we've gone along too as i'm just looking at the numbers right hmm. now final player to speak of and we don't know whether he's going to play or not he is an instagram and social media influencer ben rosa it's justin rose
2: <laughs> what a way to end it uh yeah. hopefully <laughs> even though i hope people watch the full show this is good because if i say something stupid maybe people won't hear this because I'm a sucker for Rose. Uh, I don't know. I think there are so many guys with question marks. You're you're trying to thread a parlay with him. You need him to play and not withdraw. And then you also have to play. It's not like he was playing well anyway. So you're, you're trying to get a lot of things right just to get there. And that's my big red flag. Some of these other guys, it's like, man, I wonder if they're healthy. But if they are, I love the play. Even if Rose is healthy, he wasn't exactly burning it up out there. So I'm a little worried. I do love Justin Rose though in life, so it's a it's a tough call for me. What do you think, D, DB? Can you get to Rose? Uh, I'm, just,
0: I'm just glad we're not going to have to suffer through those damn commercials he's been on uh just incessantly, but it is kind of jarring when you look at his record at Augusta National. It is tempting at you know probably what like 6% Justin Rose um you know, despite the uh, whatever's been going on with him lately, the record here is fantastic. And you think about, you know, if a guy like Sergio that late in his career can do it, um, you know, Rose has to get a bump there. He's fourth uh, just even in the last, what What I do, like 24 attempts or, or five years at Augusta National. He's like fourth in strokes game total. He loves this place. It's, it's interesting. I don't know if I'll be able to pull the trigger, but it is interesting
1: i think if i can get some confirmation that the back is okay maybe at least from him and he's not super vague about it i mean he's played in this tournament almost every year since 2003 and he's missed the cut one time yeah he's 7200 bucks
0: and a lot of top fives like a lot of top five
1: yeah and i don't even need him to top i'll take what he did back in november at 7200 bucks give me t23 and do some scoring
2: that's fine
0: what was the tournament, uh, I was going to tell Ben this too, what was the tournament Louis just withdrew? Before, um,
2: you got to be more specific. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was like just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> like um, the day before, or maybe the morning of. Honda? We did, maybe it was a Honda. We did have a, pl- um, a player text us because he, he saw some tweets going around, um, you know, people getting pissed at Louis. And, and basically he did say like his back just locked up on him, saw him on the trainer table in a lot of pain, like getting worked up. And, and I think that's the lot that we're all being dealt with Louie until his career is over, because then he plays the next week. Like, it's just one of these things that you just don't know it when it hits, it hits and it's over. But when it's when it's fine, you know, he can he's one of the you know, he's one of the wily veterans that can do well. So
1: as someone with, as someone with a bad back, I can kind of attest to that. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, my God, I can't walk anymore. That's yeah. just how back yeah. injuries work. So whether it's Louie, whether it's Rose. Uh, I mean, at least with Brooks in the knee, like he should at least have a sense of where his knee is going to be. The back injuries can just pop up out of nowhere and you're cooked. You, you you can no longer walk. Therefore, you can't play in the Masters anymore. But I do think that there's a potential bit of leverage on some of these guys as well because of it. Do you know that Louis has gained strokes putting in 10 consecutive events, Ben? I
2: mean, he's just... Ben knows that. I love that guy. I just, yeah, he's... <laughs> Everything he does, sweet swinging Louie. And now the putter is there and and it is overblown. That is, it's certainly a risk. And I've experienced it firsthand. But the, if you ask the casuals, like, what are the chances Louis withdraws? People will say like, ah, 25%. It, no, like it's, it's not high at all. Somebody may withdraw, but uh, I don't really worry about that. It's just nature of doing business with a guy like that.
1: Kevin Na is I, another uh, one who has the back problems as well. Louis made eight or nine cuts here though.
0: I've been going to this. Uh, we got this new cryo uh, cryotherapy uh, spot here in Augusta. If I hit that place up and I see Louis, I'll let you guys know. Or maybe That's... when I go in there, I'll be like, "Hey, is any guy you seen a South African in here with a little gap in his tooth?" Has he yeah, been in here? And a UPS, they say, "Yeah, man." Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know. Uh, maybe we should build an all like big ass question mark team. With that'd be a pretty loaded team. Like Rom, Brooks, Day, Louis Rose. That's it.
1: Yeah. Does that te- a- does that team actually like fit? We yeah. We go Rom and then yeah. Brooks.
0: Yeah, it fits. It's Got to fit.
1: Rom Brooks, Louis Definitely. Day, Rose. Who's the last guy on that team? How oh, much you have left? Is it Take is your it, pick? Is it Nah? Is it Wolf? No, they need to have a question mark if we're going to go. Oh, them.
0: Wolf! Oh, I think you got to go with Wolf. So, There's a question mark there, right?
1: Yeah, I would think actually. So. We
0: didn't talk about that with. Uh, we didn't talk about that with Burger and the ribs thing, right? I mean, I know he played the WGC. Yeah, that feel, was another one.
1: I feel like he played the WGC. I I just don't think he wanted to play the Honda. <laughs>
0: Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Wolf is an interesting one there for the all-question-mark team.
1: So we'll throw on Rose. Rom, Brooks, Day, Rose. Where's Louie at? We'll Chuck Louie into that lineup and see how much money we have left over. Oh, we got 7,000 left. or Sorry, 7,600. So we, we can go Wolf or Kevin Nah. Those would be, like, the wow. two other people.
2: I mean... <laughs> I always say correlate those lineups. I don't know if this is what I had in mind, but I'll go with <laughs> it, sure.
1: And I told you that Dustin Johnson is going to have to put the jacket onto Kevin Na just to complete okay. the circle of life, and that will be fantastic news.
0: We got Kevin Na then.
1: All right, Kevin Na. He's the last man on the team. I'm putting this in the millie. Let's go. No one dupe me, okay? I'm leaving like $2,000 on the table. I'm leaving $1,100 on the table. would be
0: hilarious when we get the dupe report and there's like a thousand lineups are everyone has
1: this specific lineup the one that has gonna have four wds of it
0: i'm seriously i want to know i want to know how many of those are duped because on your show we know that's going to happen all all your listeners no
1: people out there know not to listen to me they want to listen to you guys they listen to me we all just
0: built this together they're gonna do it i'm telling you it's happening yeah, it's don't, happening. Don't do it. I, let's say, I think we just set an over under. How many of those lineups are in the Millie Maker? Well,
1: it's not smart over- to do it because I've already entered it in the Millionaire Maker. <laughs> so you're gonna at least.
0: People- so if it wins, they're gonna chop with me. You want that? No, you want to win a million bucks. They're gonna piss away ten dollars. I guarantee you. I guarantee you it'll happen. What, what would I be might the do real over under? Ben, you're the you're the you're the data guy. What's the yeah, actual yeah. over under number we set this at? Considering say, all the people that listen to Pat's show,
2: I'll say over under four and a half
0: that's it yeah oh man i I take the over there i think more than five suckers are going to do this
1: listen and spoiler alert david uh it's not just people if it's just ten dollars you're pissing away this week at the masters i mean you're in good hands wait till you start pissing away like a (laughs) thousand (laughs) dollars
0: yeah i'm saying in the millie maker they're, they're willing to do it for that one lineup
2: all right ben you gonna win 100k again this year or what yeah, that's the plan. We're going we're to do some things. Uh, I, I, like I said, I have a real shot because Ricky is not here, and that is a, a new lineup construction for me, and that helps. So I, I feel pretty good, though. all being serious, you know, I think it's pretty wide open. I think people are going to overrate what they saw in November, and that's one of the big edges that I'm going to try to exploit. I don't think that data is useful whatsoever.
1: Uh, final thoughts on DraftKings and Augusta National DB?
0: Oh, man. Um, Yeah, I I like that take from from Ben. I think if people overweight that that November Masters, that's very it's just so different. So um, I don't know, man, let me get out to the course tomorrow. I'm going to watch these these ladies and watch how the ball rolls out in the fairways, maybe see how that looks and then get some reports from folks on the ground closer to Tuesday or Wednesday. See how the course is, uh, how they're how they're wanting to set it up. And, you know, we'll go from there. There's a ton of content to be laid out between now and then, uh, both. Well, from all three of us.
1: Well, so. uh, what do the tour junkies have on the go for Masters Week? The normal? You got stuff. Actually, obviously, you're going to be at the course. So that's very helpful info to know. Tell everyone where they can get all of that.
0: Although, I mean, I'll be on the course tomorrow, but don't get me wrong. I'm going to have the, a stack of green cups in my hand, so I don't know how much I'll, I'll be worth. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, um, we're going to get our, our show out, our shows out early for us, which now is like super late in the industry. <laughs> so we're going to record on Sunday night and publish Sunday night, uh, both the betting preview and DraftKings preview. And then all the written content is going to get a day out, uh, get out a day early, um, early in, uh, you know, early next week. I will say DB's Big Balls betting card is up 27 units since September, just betting Bombs at 25 to 1 and longer. So we hope that streak continues. I'm feeling good about that. So well hey, we got cooked.
1: If you've won with David Barnett, you have lost all of it back and more with Pat Mayo. That's a guarantee <laughs> from me. Ben Rosa, what's going on at Awesomeo.com?
2: Yeah, obviously a great week. We're gonna have a ton of content, whether it's videos, shows, Alex's, projections, and ownership. And we are doing a special deal. I want to mention it. awesomeocom slash join promo code Dustin, uh, after Dustin Johnson. <laughs> you will get two months of Awesome Oak golf for only one month of cost. So you get one, you get one free. Uh, We'd love to have you guys aboard. It's going to be a great week. I think we're all excited.
1: That will do it for me. I'm Pat Mayo. You can follow me at the PME on Twitter. I hope to have a giveaway for free Millionaire Maker entries up there. If DraftKings gives me the old check mark and approves that, subscribe to the newsletter by doing that. Uh, You can find exclusive content and get in the draw for all of the swag. Find all that stuff in the description. You got the Listers League link down there. uh, The link on Apple Podcast. Leave the rating and review. Like I'm giving away like close to a thousand bucks this week, so please, it's really important for me to get apple podcast reviews this week in particular as i could potentially climb to number one in fantasy sports and betting in the world well at least in the united states but wherever you're at in the world it'll help me go up the charts just like that then i can screenshot that send it to advertisers and i can get paid and all is good in the world and i can filter that money back through by giving people free stuff and giveaways into the millionaire maker it's a circle of life people just like kevin now winning the masters all right thank you all for watching smash the like i'm pat mayo